Welcome to the Dining on a Dime Food Radio Show with food author Kevin Wilson, chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock, giving you the most informative, up-to-date culinary tips, news, and interviews that you can find. Now, let's get the show started. All right, welcome to Dining on a Dime for our listeners around the world via the podcast. Today is Cinco de Mayo. Today is our Cinco de Mayo show. We have our expert panelist, Oscar Marin from Creme Brulee Food Truck and La Fagata Bakery in the Alni section of Philadelphia. We're going to start the show by giving you a lot of uh, information about Cinco de Mayo. Then we're going to talk to Oscar and his delicious food. It, this food is unbelievable. And then we're going to end the show today with a great guest, Tina DeVito. Uh, who owns Tina DeVito Productions. So let's get our show started. We're talking Cinco de Mayo chef. Let's get let's tell our listeners about Cinco de Mayo. Well, Cinco de Mayo is really easy and you know, Cinco de Mayo I'll sum up is it's Mexican St. Patty's Day. <laughs> it's nothing more. There is one little town in Mexico that celebrates Cinco de Mayo. The rest is America. Yes. So Cinco de Mayo, uh, it is a war the 5th of May. That's what it translates out to. Um, like all wars, it was about money. Mexico was pretty much bankrupt. They were having all kinds of financial issues. They could not pay back loans to uh, England, Spain, and France. Those three countries sent armadas and ships to Mexico to get their money. The British and the Spanish had second thoughts and said, this wasn't worth going to war for. This is just a country that's down on their luck at the moment. But no, Napoleon, he couldn't agree with that. So he went in and he kind of invaded uh, Mexico and he got his butt kicked. Uh, it was over pretty much one day and he went back embarrassed. So the town of Pueblo celebrates this day, the, the 5th of May, the winning of this war, and rest of Mexico does nothing else, and they go on with their normal lives. But we in the United States found a reason to drink margaritas and eat Latin food. <laughs> go and, America. And obviously, we want to uh, welcome our listeners on Talk Radio, WWDB, Evening Drive Time, Tuesday evening. And Chef, do you have any uh, culinary tips for... Uh Cinco de Mayo, anything quick we can uh, give people? So Cinco de Mayo, you know, some essential ingredients. Obviously, if you can get to a place, and we're going to talk to Oscar in a little bit, but I know that at uh, the family bakery there, their tortillas are made fresh. Those fresh tortillas that are just hours old are absolutely essential Delicious. to great food. Um, you know, lots of citrus involved. You know, the for me, I like to spice it up. I'm a big person with, you know, give me some spice, give me some bite, give me big, bold flavors. To me, Latin food should be bold. You know, it should grab you the citrus in it, the, the peppers in it, the flavors in it should be bold. So, you know, go big or go home. Well, I want to also mention the fact that, you know, cilantro is one of those spices that they use a lot um, along with jalapeno and um 
you know, peppers and garlic. Garlic is is something that's key that that we all enjoy. I don't know anybody who doesn't enjoy garlic, except for maybe vampires. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, Cinco de Mayo, I want to say it also with the the town of Puebla. Um, they fly a specific flag to um, in, uh, to honor it. It's slightly close to the Mexican flag, but it's also green, red, and white. Um, the green is supposed to sig- signify hope. The white is purity, and the red is supposed to represent and honor those who fought for for that day. And Americans, I'm the fun facts guy. All our listeners know that, but Americans drink more tequila. Than any other country, and you would think it wouldn't be that way. But here's the question for you to our listeners. When you drink your tequila, do you drink it tequila with gold, or do you drink tequila <laughs> blanca? That's that's a good point. Or do you just go agave? Mm. And let's get into history. We're all, you know, historians. Uh, Chef is a culinary historian, but Franklin Roosevelt enacted a good neighbor policy to improve relations with Latin America, and that is why Cinco de Mayo came to be in America. And in, and now in America, it's more popular than anywhere. I would argue that and just say it became popular because we get to eat and drink. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the real reason Americans celebrate anything, it's, it's really all about that. And Carnegie Hall opened in New York on Cinco de Mayo, May 5th. Uh, first manned space flight. Occurred on May 5th of 1961. So a lot of other things have happened. Do you think they had to kill on board? I was just going to say, I'm like, I want, you know, you can, you can feel like you're up in space if you drink enough. Because if you put me on a rocket, I want to kill. I'm just going to go right there. And $658 million in just beer sales on May 5th. Because we love cerveza too. (laughs) Yes, we do. Did you know that Los Angeles has the biggest Cinco de Mayo celebration in America every year? Wow. I bet the city will be crazy. And there's the close proximity too to Mexico. And there's an estimated 80 million pounds of avocados are eaten on Cinco de Mayo. 80 million pounds. And the most popular type of avocado? Good. Haas. Oh, okay. Okay. And my favorite way to eat avocado? All kinds of ways. (laughs) Guacamole included. And they are saying that the reason that Cinco de Mayo became alcohol-related is because in the 1980s, the beer companies wanted to, uh, you know, embrace the Latin community, the non-speaking, you know, English Latin community. And that is why Corona, et cetera, uh, it became a linked to alcohol and Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. It's because of that advertising campaign. Does anybody remember that Budweiser, I believe it was Budweiser, I'll say correctly, took, uh, had a little campaign going during March of last year, April of last year, you know, against Corona. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Know, we're, the, we're the anti-Corona. And we are so excited. Oscar Marin. La Fagata in the Great Alney section of Philadelphia. We're going to come back with him. Let's go to break, and we'll be back with Oscar. To become a sponsor of our show and promote your business or event on every single podcast platform, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music, in addition to WWDB Talk Radio every Tuesday at 6 p.m. evening drive time. Email us today at diningonadime 
at yahoo.com for our very low rates. And we're back. Amorous Pollock, introduce us to this fantastic guest. All right. I want to welcome Oscar Marin onto our show. He is the owner of Creme Brulee food truck, which has amazing desserts, but he grew up in the kitchen um, of his father's tienda, which was La Fagata Bakery. So I've been there, I've eaten your food, and you are, uh, if you hear us munching on air, um, it's because he brought us a lot of food to dig into because today is the celebration of Cinco de Mayo. And this food is delicious. Yes. And so Oscar, thank you for coming. Why don't you say hi to our listeners? Hey everyone, uh, I'm Oscar, and uh, they brought me on, and I'm here to talk about Colombian food. That's and right. I can't wait to talk about it more in depth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, why don't you tell our listeners, like, when when did your father come over here, and how did he get started into the food business? So, my dad got here. Well, my dad and my mom both got here, uh, 1970s. He was a welder by trade. He used to work for uh, Haynes Corporation right here, up here on uh, Adams and the Boulevard before it got taken down. And then um, <clears throat> he was working with my grandfather, and then they finally bought the building at 5201 North Second Street here in Philly for the bakery in, like, 1988. And then in, like, 89, 90, when I was born is when uh, the bakery first started, which the original name was called La Manzana, the apple. And then um, from then, we just slowly moved on, moved on, got bigger and bigger. Then we bought the property next door and expanded and expanded, and here we are today, 20, yeah. 30 years later. And it's been forever. And I know, I know that you guys are a staple in that neighborhood. And I didn't realize that you are actually born when he opened up the the uh, La Fagata. Yeah, you know, it's funny enough. I always forget that I was born when La <laughs> when it, when, uh, when that all happened. Um, yeah, but we were definitely a staple back in the early '90s, mid '90s. Uh, at the time, we were the only Colombian restaurant, well, bakery in the area, and we used to have all the Colombians coming to. Us in their yachts and everything, because at the time, if you guys know about anything about Colombia, you should know what I mean about yachts. Then after uh, all that happened, uh, mid two thousands, there's been, or I'm sorry, early two thousands, late nineties is when the other bakeries started to popping up, which some of the people that opened up bakeries have worked for my father, yeah, and then opened up their own place, brick and mortar. Almost like your father kind of brought the Colombian, you know, food into Philadelphia, or yeah, at least Olney. We're, we're humble. We're very humble. We don't <laughs> ever we we don't ever bring it up that much. But you know, in essence, yes, I can honestly say we were probably one of the the Colombians. Well, bakers. Oscar, for a clarification purpose, a bakery in the Latin community is not necessarily just the traditional bakery that we would see here in. You know, the Italian market Correct. where you're just going to get breads Correct. and maybe you're going to get a tomato pie. Correct. A, a bakery in a Latin community is literally a takeout cafe per se. Yeah, we, we, we more, yeah, it's more of a cafe type deal. Uh, when we first started, it was definitely more a uh, cafe type deal in the sense of, yeah, we had our numerous breads at the time. We had like 20 breads in the early 90s. And then along with the breads, we had fried food, empanadas, bonuelos, chicharron. Salchichon, chorizo, anything and everything fried, excuse me, we could definitely had. And we had plenty of it because that's what I grew up eating. And I'm not no skinny kid, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, that's okay. You fit right well with me. And <laughs> we have mutual friends who would enjoy that as well. A little bit about the food you have today. I mean, you yeah. brought in a feast today. And, you know, you have a chicken dish here that is uh, marinated in a mustard marinade. Yes. Uh, 
I'm assuming overnight or even two days, and it's served with probably the best plantains I've ever had. In my they are life. unbelievable. But that and chicken is so full of flavor, so moist. Tell us about what you brought today. So I can't take credit for the chicken dish. The <laughs> lovely ladies that work for us uh, definitely took took that and ran with it. So our bakery now is still Colombian-based, but we push a lot of Central American because that's what our market is in the section of Philadelphia that we're in. Um, but the chicken dish is def- is a marinated, like Gene said, a marinated chicken with uh, mustard. It has the cabbage, a red slaw, or I'm sorry, a red sauce, and then it has the green plantains. They're like super, super ripe, and they fry unbelievable. They're better than chips. I mean, I can't talk enough about that one. And then I brought them empanadas, chicken, and beef. I bought them taquitos with... Uh, that was cabbage and uh, red sauce, also with cheese. But it's not a, any cheese; it's a Honduran cheese, so it's a nice. little bit sour. Not that it's off-putting, but it's—I mean, it's not pungent. But think of like a like a blue, like a blue cheese, right. something along those lines. And then I also brought chicharron for these guys, and I don't think there's any left because I didn't <laughs> eat it all. But the chicharron is definitely that's marinated with. Uh, you know, our uh, spices and stuff, and then it's fried, and it's fried for a long time, like a 20-minute, it's a 20-minute uh yeah, um, and then uh, we were we were battling over it. So you were smart enough to actually bring multiple uh, <laughs> boxes of that. So I that... knew my crowd. <laughs> <laughs> For those listeners who do not know, Chitrona is a pork belly. Uh, it's a fried pork belly. It's just absolutely fabulous. I mean, you can't go wrong with pork belly in any manner, but this is the crispiness, the flavor to it, the richness of the pork belly. Yeah, and I don't want to get anyone mixed up that we have chicharron, but if you go to like a grocery store, you get the chicharron chips. Same flavor, but the chips are a lot crunchier, like airier. Ours is a full-on pork belly fried with the fat cap on with the meat on the bottom, and it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah when you bite into it, you get that crispness on the outside and then the tenderness of the meat on the in- inside. Personally, so. I like waiting till it gets cold and then reheating it, but that's just me. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, you definitely have all of the accoutrement to go with it. Yeah, you know, the-, the ahi. I brought the one ahi. So that's traditional for us. It's a uh, cilantro jalapeno-based ahi with tomatoes and uh, uh, green onions or spring onions or whatever anyone wants to call that. But it's one of our signature things for the We've had that forever, along with the empanadas. That's, that's, that's staple for us. And then the breads, I bought them something called the quesadilla. It's not like a Mexican quesadilla where it's tortilla. This is more so a, uh, I want to say like a cornbread with uh, sesame seeds on top so you get the flavor. It's it's very heavy. It's definitely made for coffee. And then a pan con queso, which is basically a bread that's laminated. Think of like a croissant with uh, queso blanco inside with uh, queso blanco on top to cook. And we're going to have the photos from this Delicious food, Facebook, Dining on a Dime, the number one, and you can see the photos. Exactly, along with all of our social media accounts that um, I'm going to give the photos to everybody so that we can you know, spread the, the viewing pleasure of seeing all of this food. Um, I want to say that when I bit into your plantains, like, first of all, it is the perfect vehicle to, like, put some of the, you know, build your, like, plantain with some of the slaw and then you know add on that tender chicken that like you marinate it in and i i know you marinate it overnight um it's absolutely delicious 
but you know all of your food is very easy and inaccessible um and the fact that the plantain chips are like they're there and you can you don't even necessarily need a fork and a knife cuz you you know I'm um, I'm a big proponent of like if I want to like eat I'm going to eat and I'm just going to get down and dirty with it. Well, it depends what I'm wearing personally, only because if I have a white <laughs> shirt and it gets on me, if I wear a white shirt, it's definitely going to get on me. I don't know about anyone else here, but if, if I wear white, I'm done. Usually that's the only time I read with fucking knife. That, that's why I never wear a white shirt, because I, I I will guarantee that I will get food on me. <laughs> or you can go, as my wife always sends me out the door, with a, I'm a man shirt, the one that covers my white shirt. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I know that your most popular dish is actually on in front of us right now, but why don't you explain some of the other popular dishes in that you guys uh, offer? Um, so we offer everything at all times. So we open about 5.30 in the morning. We close at 3. Uh, the times have changed because of COVID. Um, but, you know, popular dishes are like um, – I don't know if I should say it in English or in Spanish, but well, anyway, maybe uh, both. Yeah, I put uh, pechuga, which is a uh, seared uh, chicken breast with comes with a salad. So most things with uh, what we serve, so we can push everything out quick, is definitely with the the um, cabbage and the sauce that goes with it. So that's really our basic staple for the sides, and then we just put on top whatever else. Or it comes with a side salad, which is, you know, just your regular house salad with a uh, cucumber, onions, and things like that. The other popular dish that we have in the morning that we sell hundreds of is something called a baleada. So what a baleada is, it's basically a tortilla, like 12-inch tortilla with uh, refried beans, frijoles, um, aguacate, which would be avocado. And then it comes with eggs and the cheese that I mentioned earlier, the little sour cheese on top. And... I personally thought it was crazy that people would buy this because I didn't grow up eating that. This is definitely a Central American thing. And, man, i never seen how many fly out the window. It's it's so mind-boggling for me. Yeah. But, you know, I'm glad. And it's really good. I, I have them almost every morning if I do work. Now, I want to mention this because I, I'm assuming that tortillas are, you know – are made by hand in you know in your in your bakery. Yeah, so all of our tortillas, the flour one for the baleada is made by hand. The girls do it the day before, you know, set up their mise en place and you know get everything ready. And then we also do a corn t- corn cor- tortilla, also by hand that they do those the day of, and those sell like tortillas. <laughs> Growing up in a bakery business, your father must have instilled a tremendous love of cooking and, and going on that because you went on to go to Culinary Institute. You have a brother who is culinary instructor at the Community College of Philadelphia. So food is certain, certainly something really strong in the family. What was it like growing up, I mean, from an early age, being there, you know, in the bakery and, and learning A lot of yelling. Culture? A lot of yelling. Exactly <laughs> a lot of yelling. And for the listeners that have family-owned business, they'll know under, they will understand what I mean by that, by a lot of yelling. It's a lot of uh, headbutting. Um, but my mom was definitely the rock for that place. Um, man, I mean, if it wasn't for my mom, my mom works white-collar. She does not work anywhere in the industry, in the culinary industry. She's completely white-collar. She works for a software company. But <laughs> my father, on the other hand, and yeah, he's uh, he was very passionate about what he does. Uh, I get a lot of my tendencies from him. When I open up a bread, I smell it. I put my nose in it just so I can smell if there's butter, if there's margarine, and 
I, I, that's definitely something I de- developed over time. But the reason I got into cooking wasn't because of the bakeries, because of my older brother, uh, Andy, the, the the chef over the CCP. When I was young, he was flambéing, uh, he was flambéing something, and then it was the flame. And I was a huge pyro when I was a kid. <laughs> but fire is really what got me into the uh, field of <laughs> culinary arts. <laughs> <laughs> when I was teaching, I would take my students to events all the time, and we would always do a coffee station. And we would always do a Bananas Foster station. Yes. And they would fight over who would be on the flambe station. And, you know, if it calls for two ounces of rum, no, we're going to add six because it'll be a bigger <laughs> flame. Be, I get your passion. That, that would be the uh, whole bottle of rum. <laughs> half for the dish, half for me. No, I'm just kidding. I want to do that. Got to be professional. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I got into the field and I, I don't regret anything that I've ever done. As a family, there's three brothers, my mother and then my father. Uh, the three brothers, we all work there. My oldest brother, my eldest brother, I should say, was the baker there while he was still in school at CCP. Um, I, my middle brother was there. He was one of the fry cooks. He just dropped empanadas and, you know, all the other types of fried food there and just, you know, always maintained everything. And then myself also was a fry cook. But I also was doing breads there, like, when I was 18, 19. And then I left, and we all left the bakery to do our own thing. And then we're slowly all coming back, back to the roots of uh, Second Street. I, I want to touch base for one second on the fact that your your one brother races, and you know I was like that is one of the most interesting fact factoids um, of your family. Yeah, Reese uh, Reese is a interesting individual. Definitely, uh, he's been he's been so he drifts. He doesn't race. He drifts, and he was pro am. He's done all types of series in in that racing and he's uh, now teaching as a coach drifting and he is also still racing now after about 12 6 years I'm sorry 6 years since 7 years since he's officially been out or I'm sorry to race again and he's getting a lot of traction again but yeah he's teaching uh individuals how to drift now up so, in uh an uh, Evergreen Raceway up in uh, Drums PA so he's bringing the heat on the road and in the kitchen <laughs> well <laughs> He's bringing the heat on the uh, on the street. We, the other two brothers, me and my other brother, bring it into the, the kitchen. But <laughs> Reese still comes down daily to the bakery, make sure we have everything. I mean, it's as my father's getting older, we're all helping out and uh, going to Restaurant Depot, ordering, picking up things and everything. And it's it's a lot of work. Definitely is a lot of work. Well, you know, it'll get there fast with him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't get stopped at these lights. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and for people who don't understand what drift racing is, it's challenging in the fact that you basically slide through the curves. <laughs> you you know, you gun it and you come up to the curve and you apply your brake and you just kind of slide through the curves. You drift <laughs> through them. That is the, the and, whole mechanism of For layman's terms, yes. That's exactly and, right. and Oscar, you are the perfect guest for our show. We have supported family business since the beginning of this show. Let's talk about... What's it like, Alney, I love Alney, uh, the Alney section of Philadelphia. What's it like having a family business? What's it like serving the community for so many years? So, you know, we've been there. I mean, for the listeners that don't know nothing about Alney or Alney section of Philadelphia, it's not the nicest part of Philadelphia. I mean, for layman's terms, it's not nice. But we've been there for 30 years, and the community the community definitely knows who we are. We take care of everybody that needs taken care of. So besides the bakery stuff, we do bill payment. We do um, oh. cargo services, um, like parcel service to other countries. We do um, money transfers. 
we do everything and we're a one-stop shop for the community and we have a lot of the community come out and you know we take care of them they take care of us we have property there that our neighbors watch god forbid something were to happen we get phone calls but it's definitely a tight-knit community and especially i mean god forbid anything anyone ever needed anything i know for a fact and i've seen my father give money to the neighbors that were you know not so well off but we definitely took time to make sure the community was always taken care of we have an older gentleman we call him Bob, but I just recently found that his name was Joe. But that's another story. <laughs> he's, he's an older, he's an older Irish guy. He uh, he used to work on jukeboxes, but he's been coming to us for I don't know how many years. And every day we always give him a free coffee. And then there's another guy, Leroy. Um, he is not so well off. Uh, he had a rough past, and he also gets a free coffee every day. He comes in three, four times a day. He was a boxer. He's he's a great he's a great guy. But we do our best to definitely take care of most of the community when we can. And you're on 2nd Street in Olney. What is the cross street? So 2nd Street in Duncan, 5201 North 2nd Street. Nice. 2nd so in Duncan. Serving the community. That's fantastic. We try to. We try to make everybody happy. We try to uh, – we definitely do our best to do that. And and that's key, too, because you are serving the community and you're there for that community. Um, and, I, you know, I just want to touch base on the fact that we are celebrating Cinco de Mayo on the show. But, you know, in reality, I want to plug the fact that we need to be, you know, supporting the entire Lat- Latino community all of the time because um, they serve us. We want to be able to, to help them out, too. So, you know, let's let's celebrate Cinco de Mayo by supporting local. Yeah, I think all all local, not even just my restaurant. I think all not all all Latino restaurants. I mean, I have no bad blood with anyone. I think everybody should be making. You know, it's a rough time. Yeah, this past year was terrible. I mean, we had for our just ourselves. We had to, and you've been to my place. And yeah, we 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 transferred the dining room. It's straight takeout. I mean, thank God the community has been there for us. And we were we were only closed one day during COVID when the announcement happened but i mean luckily we got very lucky but i know other restaurants that were suffering so i mean small business is all that matters to me i grew a small business i own a small business my brother has a small business my other brother has a small business i like this this is what we are yeah this is a building block right here <clears throat> and uh i want to also mention because you mentioned your brother's small business um the philly yard bar the philly yard bar yeah Want to talk a little bit about Philly Yard Bar? So Philly Yard Bar is my eldest brother's, uh, him and his wife. They uh, After I opened up my food truck five, six years ago, they're like, man, do you make money off of creme brulee? I was like, yeah, I make money off of creme brulee. <laughs> like, yeah, it's easy. So they uh, found this Philly Yard Bar and that funded or founded the Philly Yard Bar. So what the Philly Yard Bar is, is a mobile bar unit. That is pulled by a truck, goes wherever you needed to go, sets up, has a bar inside. We uh, that's what we that's what we give you. We give you the bar, and we also sell the uh, bartender if needed. But you guys take care of all the booze. But it's definitely a definitely an upscale thing, and I am so grateful that he has something like that because we use that for family parties when we don't want to miss that. I was gonna uh, say, I, have you guys ever collaborated and just thrown like a big? party or a big bash so for my niece her 16th yeah her 16th birthday we uh it was my truck at the yard bar there and then it was definitely fun for us to do that but we me and him have been at places together unbeknownst to each other we're like yeah we communicate but sometimes things fall through the crack i'm like yeah what are you doing here (laughs) he's like what are you doing here like i'm serving he's like oh me too so today we're talking one of the other 
parts of the show today is talking a little bit about the history of Cinco de Mayo, which Cinco de Mayo is an American holiday, as you know, and I, I reference it all the time. It is the Mexican St. Patty's Day. You know, it's the Americans celebrate it. It's really not a big thing in the country where everybody attributes it to be. Was that so in the community? I mean, did you see business or celebrations for Cinco de Mayo in that community there? So not really so much in our community. Um, granted, I really don't leave that corner, but it's definitely not as big for Cinco de Mayo in that community. But the Puerto Rican parade right there on Fifth Street is nuts. That's a I mean, crazy event. It's, it's, that's a fun event. That's that's a. I mean, that's a completely different day and everything. Yeah. But yeah, for Cinco de Mayo, just in our community, is definitely not that big. Um, but again, like you said, it's kind of a American. Yeah. It really is. It's an American, and, that, and that's exactly the point. You know, people who think that Cinco de Mayo is this big Latin American celebration, it is not. There is one small town in Mexico that's right. where it is a military parade. Uh, and then we celebrated the, the largest Cinco de Mayo celebration in America is in Los Angeles. It's just a party. It's St. Patty's Day <laughs> it's, it's, for it's, the, it's the Mexican you know, St. Patty's. Yes. <laughs> it, it, yeah. I don't it's even celebrate Cinco de Mayo. It's one of my good friend's birthday. So we usually do go at drinking. So, right. <laughs> so technically, technically you're celebrating just not for that purpose. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm Irish on, or I'm Irish on St. Patrick's. That's right. <laughs> right. right. And hey, and Cinco de Mayo happens to be National Hoagie Day as well. So you're all good there too. Yep. <laughs> So you can just like, you know, walk around with like all kinds of food and eat it and celebrate, you know, just food in general. Uh, yeah. I mean, I do that already as is now. So holiday <laughs> or no holiday. So let's pun a little bit and talk about creme brulee yes. food truck. Creme brulee. Well, that was a invention, not an invention, but an idea that I had a couple of years ago. I used to work on another food truck in Philadelphia called the Cow on the Curd. And then I left them and opened up my own food truck called the Creme Brulee. Nice. Um, I can't believe that I opened something like this, and most people don't believe I opened something like this because Creme Brulee is not a street food at all. <laughs> but I oversimplified it, and I made it happen. Now, the reason I went Creme Brulee was mainly because I grew up in North Philadelphia, and then I was never really accustomed to eating things like that. And I was like, that's not fair. I think everybody should try this. So I want to bring a high-end dessert where you can get in high-end places to the urban areas of Philadelphia. And slowly but surely it has been working because I get everybody and everybody to hit me up. They're like, yeah, we want creme brulee. Yeah, we want creme brulee. Yeah. It's been very difficult this year for myself uh, without, you know, pushing the food truck and it's without having events because it's definitely an event food truck. It's not, I can't just park on like uh, Gerard or something just right. an event because it's not just going to be beneficial to myself. But Yeah, I grew up in Kensington, so I kind of get the well, idea. Well, I would go to Kensington anytime. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yes, I get I the idea. What you're what you're, <laughs> no, but I understand what you're saying. Creme brulee is something uh, different. Yes, it's it's definitely uh, it's it's different, but people love it. I can't get enough. Everybody loves it. I can't. I mean, how many have you had? I, I gave you like three so many. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's for our listeners out there. This is actually how I met Oscar. Um, I was I was covering an event that was that's an annual event called the Philadelphia Naked Bike Ride, um, and he was vending. He was vending at the event, and he's just such a like humble, laid back, cool guy. That you know, I was I was like, I need to sit down. And he was like, Yeah, sure, have a seat. And so we just started talking, and um, and and then he and then I he told me what he was vending, and I was like, Oh my god, I need that. 
<laughs> but that's such a great idea. Where can we find creme brulee? Uh, so uh, social media right now is definitely my strong suit. Since I'm not really doing events or neighborhoods that often anymore, right. but it'll be creme brulee FT. So at creme brulee FT. C-R-E-M-E-B-R-O-L-E-E-F-T. On uh, Instagram, same thing with uh, Facebook and Twitter, but I really don't mess with Twitter. I'm right. very, I'm the worst. <laughs> I've ever I'm, met. I'm so struggling with the Philadelphia naked bike riding creme brulee. I, yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, actually, you really, I do. Really, really don't. No, that, remember that, that. that I'm friends with Rocco. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, yes. yeah. That that was an interesting uh, event. We'll say. I've well, seen let, a lot of things that I wish and we'll I'd never we'll seen. pass over that. Well, let's get, dig into the creme brulee. Let's talk about the truck. What what kind of stuff can we find when we see it? So creme brulee, I usually run six different flavors. Nice. Uh, my my uh, my main flavors are well, well, the three main flavors will staples will always be vanilla, chocolate, and s'mores. Mm-hmm. The s'mores is mm-hmm. the easiest, so the most delicious one. It's my most popular one, mm-hmm. but I have like a variety of like fifty to sixty. And there's so many different ones that I have, you know, done. And <laughs> my favorite great. one. My favorite one still today uh, is yeah I know bacon. Mm-hmm. Is, yes. there, is there an annual event you're always at that we can find? Um, it's really tough right now because I really don't know what Philadelphia's yeah, doing right, with, exactly. with this the whole pandemic. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I was everywhere and everywhere. I mean, nice. I knew all the promoters. Uh, luckily, I when I worked at the other food truck, I became friends with a lot of these promoters. But I was almost at all high end festivals. I did the Eagles Parade, which oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> It <laughs> was a rough one. But, yeah, I mean, I'm everywhere, and I wish I could be more uh, specific right. of where I would be again, but it's, just, it's, it's a hard time. Yeah. It's a hard time for my truck. But outside of the truck, my main concern when, when uh, the pandemic happened was the family business. Uh, I was, that was my main concern. Well, yeah, my truck, I knew it was going to be fine, but the, the family business was definitely the more important thing to me at the time. But uh, this year, I actually just so my truck was uh, an ambulance. It was a reconstructed ambulance that turned into the Cumberland truck. I recently just got rid of that. I sold it, and I am opening or building a new one as we speak now, which hopefully will be back out at the end of the summer. Okay, so, awesome. Yeah. So uh, I, I will be readily stalking you as soon as that's available. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll make an announcement. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, see, you'll see it. What are the hours of the bakery? How can people get down and, and try the so, food? And, uh, we and, are open Monday through Sunday. We do not close. We only close four days out of the year. My dad is a nut. <laughs> uh, but prior to COVID, we were open up from 5 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Now, during COVID, we're open 5.30 to 3 o'clock and... If you're there early enough, you're going to see a lot of the construction guys because we service a lot of the hard labor workers. And I can't take enough for those guys because they are there day in and day out, and they they consume. They consume a lot. And um, do you does La Fagata, uh cater as well? We do cater. Uh, if you call us, we'll definitely do, we will cater. Uh, it's really not. We don't really push it that often. But I mean, if we get the phone call, yeah, we'll definitely do it. I mean, our our, our the empanadas for holidays. Is a very big thing for us. I mean, we sent out like 50, 60 different orders at, during the holidays, and that one's that's hectic around those <laughs> times of the years. But yeah, we do cater. I mean, we we re, we really push for the holidays though, because that's where we make good money. Well, I'm very particular about food, um, as you can tell by my size. <laughs> so, you know, for me, when I'm having Asian food, I'm going to go to Chinatown, and yeah. I will tell you, 
having this food here. And I live in Bucks County, but I travel for food. Anybody, you want to try some great Latin cuisine, take the ride down to Alney, get there by 3 o'clock yeah. in the afternoon, go in and try the food. It's worth the travel. Like going to Chinatown for authentic Asian, come and try this because nothing you're going to find in the suburbs or in the area is going to match what you have right in front of us now. Well, There's a lot that. of great flavors. There's a lot of great little restaurants in the suburbs, but really take the time. Trust me on this one. Yeah, and I feel as if we're hole in a wall. A lot of the American community, they know, but they don't know. Not as like going to, I don't know, going like you said, to Chinatown. Like you go to San Key. Oh, I've been to San Key. Oh, I've been to right. some garden or something along those lines. But, yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely centralized with the community. Um, but, yeah, to bring more customers in so they could just try the food. I mean, anytime I bring empanadas to any American person, they're like, I can't get enough. And I'm surprised yeah. I still have my hands after talking to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's they are delicious. It's, yeah. it's definitely a huge thing. And I say empanadas, but I know the whole, all of the food there is delicious. But the empanadas is what sells for the American people outside of the community to come in and be like, oh, let me try this, 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 and this. All right. So now before we let you go for your segment and bring on our next guest, uh, how can they find you in Creme Brulee and also Philly Bar, uh, Yard Bar? All right. So for the bakery, it's at 5201 North 2nd Street, uh, 19120. That's in North Philadelphia. That's uh, 2nd and Dunk Cannon. For Creme Brulee, it's at Creme Brulee. So C-R-E-M-E-B-R-O-L-L-E-F-T. For Instagram, Philly Yard Bar, I believe, is at Philly Yard Bar, however you spell that. And then, uh, yeah, then you have my older brother, my middle brother, I should say, that does the drifting. He's uh, at Reese Marin on uh, all, I believe that's all Instagram. And how do you spell Reese? R. Oscar, real quick though, I want you to give the phone number to your family restaurants in case you ha- uh, in case people want to uh, contact. I'll it. be honest with you, I can't remember the phone number. So, no, and you'll you understand why. We had three or four different phone numbers uh, because we have two phone numbers for the service. We have two numbers for the cargo and the money transfer so i really can't remember oh, no big deal i can bring that up in one second if yeah, you give me I, yeah i don't remember I but know. the location is at 5201 north second street uh philadelphia 1920 and like and like chef said he's cooked for the pope he recommends your place highly this food is that. delicious he's cooked for the pope i know the pope will come by. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and the phone number is 215-329-3555 and you can call and get all the information Yes, sir. <laughs> thank you for having thank that you, for Oscar. Thank you, Oscar. Having me here, guys. thank I you. Really appreciate it. It was definitely fun. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for this delicious feast. Tune in to Dining on a Dime to hear from Gene Blum, our chef, educator, consultant, and historian. You can find him across social media at ibfoodie2 or Gene Blum at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. And you can also tune in to listen to Amaris Pollock and find her across social media at A-R-P-O-L-L-O-C-K-U-S at gmail.com. You can now listen to all of our past Dining on a Dime podcast. Plus, see over 600 restaurant reviews with photos by going to www.phillyrestaurantreviews.com. And we're back! Chef, introduce your fantastic guest. Well, at this time, I'd love to introduce Tina DeVito, 
who is a brand ambassador, brand manager, talent acquisition specialist, an actress, and a PR person. And Tina is in, is deeply involved in promoting a fabulous event going on in the city of Philadelphia. Welcome, Tina. How's everybody doing today? Thank you so much for having me on. It is an our honor. pleasure to have you. Uh, so, Tina, on the 24th of this month, on May 24th, Monday, in the city of Philadelphia, I understand we're going to be cooking about 400 pounds of cheesesteak meat and have a 500-foot-long roll uh, displayed down 9th Street in the South Philly area, actually starting at Geno's. Tell us what that's all about and what you're involved in and what you're doing. Yes, sir. So Rene Capodri from Rim Cafe down in South Philly, he's been there since 2006. Um, that's when Rim Cafe had originally opened. Um, it's a staple. It's a, you know, like Gino's and the other cheesesteak places, there's always those stops when the out-of-towners come. Rim Cafe is, is a must. People from all over the world come in there. You know, a funny story, somebody had asked me the other day, like, how did I meet Renee? And I don't know, and I say that with passion because anybody who walks in those doors walks out as a family member. So, you know, that's just incredible in itself. He's, he hosts himself, himself a birthday every year, except for last year, um, for over a decade. And he invites all his customers that come through, through the years. Um, so we close the street down, not to the caliber we're doing the 24th, but we close the street down. He makes a big, massive uh, cannoli cake. Um, people from all over come, and we have music. And some years we do like a Greek dance and break dishes. Um, this year is kind of like we're putting it on steroids. We're going to shut down two blocks. We probably have well over 700 people coming and growing. Um, you know, after the COVID restrictions that everybody's been cooped up and looking for something to do, we felt by opening the space to the two blocks, we can, you know, we can all distance, of course. And it'll also give us the opportunity to put the 64 eight-foot tables down the street so the cooks, you know, can set up to make this cheesesteak. And, yeah. So, to be clear, we're talking a 500-foot cheesesteak, which actually would surpass the current Guinness Book of World Records cheesesteak, which was also held by an establishment in Philadelphia. But we're going to actually be part of something that's even bigger than that, whether Guinness is there or not. Correct, correct. Um, Renee had come up with this idea a little late in the game, but that's okay. Um, you know, like I said, we wanted to do a community-involved event. In fact, we have people from other states that are also bringing their brand on board, cooks, restaurants. Um, we're not officially doing this for the Guinness Book, but we're going to do it as, as like a dry run. You know, there's a lot that is involved. Um, and, and if we meet our, our, you know, what we're trying to aim for, then we'll properly do it for the Guinness Book in following years. That's the goal. So what kind of cheesesteaks can we actually uh, find for this 500-long cheesesteak? Oh, my. So each chef, we're looking at about 50 chefs. They're going to be doing about 10-foot sections. Each chef is going to do a unique style of their own. So everywhere from Colombian, uh, Japanese, to traditional South Philly. Um, so there will be all kinds of tastings, obviously, um, you know, the different styles. 
We do, um, I wanted to put out there, we do still have room if there are restaurants that want to attach to this with their brands, um, cooks, chefs, you know, they're more than welcome to hit me up in regards and we'll see what elements we're still trying to um, fill. So the name of this event is the Godfather Birthday. Yes, sir. And I'm assuming the Godfather is Renee itself. Yes, he so, is. He's everybody's well, Godfather. He really is. Uh, it's funny. I have not met him yet, and I already feel like I'm family. He, he just his comments on social media, everything that he does, he really makes you feel so welcome and such a a, a part of his family already. And you actively seek him out like you would a family member each day to see how he's doing. It, it's very funny like that. So besides the 500 foot of cheesesteak that, and I hear a rumor that there's going to be roughly a thousand cannolis. Are they his cannolis? Yes, they make them every year. It's a real treat to everybody. Um, we look forward to that element. So this year there's going to be over a thousand single cannolis opposed to the cannoli cake because the size of a cake mm-hmm. for this many people would, would just be overwhelming. So you, they can come down and they, you know, sample the cannolis at the event. You know, we'll make sure we have enough for everybody, of course. And his wife, Belle, will be behind that. That'll be her job. Um, she's also, like I said, like Renee, like family. You walk in the door, it's a very warm environment and, you know, family. So for our listeners, Rim Cafe, which is Knights uh, and Federal, I was there last week. I had... Okay, several cannolis, I confess. Uh, I was going to call you out on that. Several cannolis, yes, you were. I knew that ahead of time. (laughs) So I had several cannolis. This is a big statement for those people who know me in the city of Philadelphia. They were the best cannolis I have ever had. Yeah. So I am am really, uh, you know, into sweets. I love food. They are the best cannolis I ever had. As well as... An amazing uh, latte, and to die for hot chocolates. Like I don't care that it's 110 degrees in July. Yes, their hot chocolate is where their hot chocolate is dessert. So and, I'm really excited. And I won't. I won't even let you end there. It's his hot chocolates aren't just hot chocolates. It's Mm-mm. an experience. You know, this is a, something where you go there and you're wowed because he does an elaborate show of it. You know, he, it's on like a turntable and he does shavings and it's it's amazing. I've had a hot chocolate from him like way back. Um, he so he probably wouldn't remember me, but <laughs> but I I have to say if you want hot chocolate, you have to try Rim Cat. Cafe's hot chocolate. They they definitely are a limited edition shop. Like you know, they're all about presentation and uniqueness. And I will forewarn you, they do make a baked cannoli that is absolutely to die for. So next time you go down there, I highly recommend that you try that. But I warn you of the addiction process. I was going <laughs> to so. say maybe maybe I'll head down there after after we leave here. <laughs> yeah, my, my cardiologist thanks you right now. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh, he's listening. No, I'm just kidding. So. So besides cannolis and, and great cheesesteaks, and, you know, for our listeners, some of the amazing people that are involved in this event, I mean, obviously, you know, Gino's in the South Philadelphia community and Tony Luke's and Curly's from up in Bucks County and, you know, Jay's joint and Delco Steaks in Delaware County. We have a nonprofit barbecue 
organization that does and, and works with young kids to teach them great lessons called Backyard Heroes that do amazing barbecue. They're going to be doing a smoked brisket cheesesteak. There's just so mm. many great things involved. We have all this great food, but we have entertainment too. So can you touch a little bit? I, I know that the entertainment is all about you. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the people who might be showing up? Sure. Well, let me just make one plug, a must, for Jason at South Jersey Party Rental. And I have to tell you, he is an important element to this event because he is bringing the tables to support this one, you know, 500-foot-long cheesesteak. And without that, we couldn't have done it. So I definitely want to thank Jason for that because we're going to need it. He's a great guy. <laughs> yes. Um, we do. We're also going to have a stage with some performers, summer surprises. I will put a couple out there. We have Sal Valentinetti, Sal the Voice Valentinetti from AGT. Um, we have Big Time Tommy. He's an Instagram influ- influencer. He's also a reality star. And he was also on AGT with Sal. We have a special guest, uh, Gino's new mascot, Wizzy, will be making an appearance. We have Leo Rossi. He's been in, he has over 100 credits to his name. Um, Gotti, Gravesend, Halloween. A lot of people know who Leo Rossi is. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. We have, some, um, we have some surprises possibly coming from the Sopranos. So I'll leave that right there. Uh, we are very proud to have William DeMeo. He is an actor, was in Gotti, analyzed this first kill with um, uh, Bruce Willis. Um, he also just wrapped on his second uh, TV series from the Gravesend in Florida a couple of weeks ago, which, by the way, Renee from Rim Cafe is also in it. Um, he's also the owner of Brooklyn Brands. So we're really honored that Will is going to be joining us, and he's very personable. So I hope that our guests that come will, you know, take a moment and introduce themselves. Now, as far as entertainment is concerned, do we have any singers that are going to be joining us and, you know, sharing Absolutely. their vocals? <laughs> Absolutely. I have an Italian singing sensation, Biagio. He has a new hit that's out called Sugar Sugar. He'll be performing on stage. Uh, Sal Valentinetti has agreed to get on stage and, you know, give us a show. Um, I have belly dancers that are coming. Um, I didn't think you were going to reveal my secret. <laughs> well, you know what? I was going to wait, but there's just so much information I have to hold back. So I wanted to plug you. Um, also, Howie Brown is bringing a surprise with the string band and the jesters. So you might, you know, tell people to keep their cameras ready for sure. So that'll be a, a fun element. Absolutely. It sounds like an absolute South Philly experience, just an immersion in and, and probably an overdose in a good way of South Philly fun. I mean, 500 foot of cheesesteak, cannolis, other foods you know that are going to be around there. Cigars most likely going to be floating back and forth. You know, everything else that's going to be fabulous. Um, who can come? It is a free event to the public. Um, we are very fortunate and blessed to have sponsors that are sponsoring the meat and the rolls. Um, it's open to the public. We will have an element for the kids. Kids are welcome. It starts at 6 p.m., of course, all of our attachments will be there earlier in preparation, set up. Um, 
Yes, it is a, it's a free event. It gives us the opportunity to give back to the community and outside the community because we do have people from New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland. It's not just South Philly. However, we're going to show you how South Philly does things. That's our goal. Um, so we, Love that attitude. Now, yeah, and, and I would say this. If possible, and, and some of the locals can take Uber, that might be in their best interest because I'm sure parking's not going to be fun. So. Now, um, as far as the, ch- the 500-foot cheesesteak is concerned, uh, mm-hmm. people w- will not be able to eat it while it's being assembled. So will, will there be any food vendors outside of the thousand cannolis that are going to be handed out? We are going to have some lunch trucks that are going to be on the property. Um, we, are also at, we are also looking for additional sponsors that may want to bring their brand on, whether it's in regards to waters, chips that would go with the steaks. Um, this is a great opportunity. We have a lot of press that is, you know, calling by the day. We have Keith Jones from NBC10 that will be on location. We have Whitney from, uh, from the City Pulse. She covers a lot of these high-volume events wise guys show um yeah and dining on a dime obviously yes yeah, yeah. so we're gonna do a live feed if people want to get involved and come down how do they how do they reach out who do they reach out to to uh get involved and be a, become a sponsor become one of the cheesesteak makers at the event how do, how do people get involved they can contact me personally with tina devito promotions at tina devito at hotmail.com T-I-N-A-D-A-V-I-D-O at Hotmail.com or on Facebook at Tina DeVito Promotions as well as Instagram. And, how and they can also contact you, Gene, since you are an, an important asset to putting this all together. So, hmm. And how would they be able to find more information on Rim Cafe? The Rim Cafe is all over the Internet. You can go to rimcafe.net. You can locate them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, they have several hundred thousand followers, again, from all over the world. So, In our last minute or so here, Tina, tell us a little bit about what else do you do? Well, the easier question, what I don't do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of red carpet events. Um, I do a lot of talent acquisition in regards to music, actors. Um, most known locally for, I did the premieres for Creed 1 and Creed 2, as well as I worked on the set for that. So I felt an obligation with my business to do the, to do the premieres, which was a huge success. Um, I work a lot with celebrity boxing. We do a lot in Pennsylvania. I just had a successful event in Philadelphia a couple weeks ago, and our big fight is in June. So I do everything from that to product branding. Um, there really are no limits. And what is the big fight? Aaron Carter. Everybody knows Aaron Carter. Mm-hmm. And Lamar Odom. From the Lakers. <laughs> so they are our main card. Yes. All right. My money's on Eric. So, Tina. Tina thank you so much for being on and sharing this great event with us. Uh, we so look forward to it. We know that this is going to be really the kickoff to the summer season here in Philadelphia. We're going to beat Memorial Day and kick off the summer season with this great event and your great talent. Thank you I appreciate so much. that. Thank I you, appreciate Tina. that. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tina. Okay, let's give our tags. Dining on a Dime, the number one on all social media. Phillyrestaurantreviews.com. 
for 122 of our past shows, Chef Tags. You can find me at Gene Blum or IBFoodie2 across any of the social media platforms, or you can email me directly at IBFoodie2 at yahoo.com. I-B-F-O-O-D-I-E, the number two, at yahoo.com. And you can find me under Amaris Pollock or A-R-P-O-L-L-O-C-K-U-S on most social media platforms. And if you would like to be a guest on our show, please please feel free to reach out to my email, which is arpollockus at gmail.com. And we will see everyone next week.